Hey, greetings, everyone. Lieutenant Colonel Alan West here, and welcome to the Steadfast and Loyal Podcast. Well, hello, Patriots. Trebo, President, United Patriot Coin. I'm sure a lot of you have heard the story on how a $20 gold coin 100 years ago would buy a gentleman's really nice suit. And at the time we're making this video, gold sitting around $1,912 an ounce would still buy a gentleman's nice suit. But I want to take you back, maybe not that far ago, a time most of you should be able to remember the year 2000. Gold was $275 an ounce, which means if you invested a million dollars in gold, you would be able to purchase 3,636 ounces of gold. Patriots today, at roughly $1,912 an ounce, that would be worth $6.9 million today. Just another way to encourage you to be your own bank. Stay safe. Be prepared, Patriots. Hey, greetings, everyone, and welcome back to the Steadfast and Law podcast. And we're continuing our series of interviewing and talking to candidates as we get closer and closer to the Texas primary season. 20 February, early voting will start here. It will end the 1st of March. And then, of course, Super Tuesday, the first Tuesday in March, which is the 5th, that is the Texas primary election day. We've talked to a lot of folks running for state house seats, state senate seats, but now we get the opportunity to talk to someone that's running for a United States congressional district, and that is Clinton Doris. And Clinton Doris was a former uh, United States Army veteran, a long-range re reconnaissance, yes, sir. absolutely, in Desert <laughs> Shield, Desert Storm. I was over in the 1st Infantry Division. He is now working with the United States Space Force, but he heard the call to duty to continue his oath to support and defend the Constitution. So Clinton, who is a graduate of Texas A&M, yes, sir. Gigam Aggies, cool. you know, welcome to the NCC. We had a yeah. little fun yeah, with you all you. up That's, in Knoxville yeah, this year. Absolutely. Luckily, we pulled that out. But talk to us about your background. Talk to us about why you decided to run for this seat where the uh, Congresswoman Kay Granger is stepping down from. Yes, sir. I, I think it's a great opportunity. And I'm Alan. No, sir. Well, you know, you know that's hard for me to break, but, you but, can, you but can we'll call it. you Alan 10 yeah. times and we'll get there. So, um, you know, long story short, I've been in and out of government and, and wearing a uniform, as you're fully aware of. <coughs> had some really uh, exciting roles in my little career of running the Lunar Lander program at NASA for mm -hmm, a little while. Mm -hmm. and, um, and then when the Obama or um, administration came in and, and shut that program down, I actually went over to the Pentagon and ran a $12 billion counterterrorism program, the ISR Task Force, I'm mm -hmm. sure you recall that as well, for a three-star. 
and uh, spent some time in Afghanistan helping to save lives there. What right? part of Afghanistan? Well, largely Kandahar, but I ended I was, up all over the place. I was down in Kandahar from 2005 to uh, 2007. <clears throat> okay. I was there most of <coughs> in the, so um, in 2010 to 2012, yeah, kind of yeah. the heyday. Yeah. And um, uh, running different ISR programs, sure. but we were, our main task And just was, so everyone knows, ISR stands for Intelligence, Surveillance, and Reconnaissance is really how we can use different types of platforms to gain an intel picture for our forces on the ground. Yes, yeah, so um, uh, the two of us could geek out certainly on a bunch of acronyms <laughs> that nobody else would know otherwise, so I'll try to do better with that. No. But um, that was an amazing experience where we we literally, you know, in that time frame, the largest cause of injury was IEDs, yes, right? Im absolutely. Improvised explosive devices. <clears throat> and the way that those were made was using fertilizer from mm -hmm, Pakistan, mm -hmm. actually, coming across the border, and the bad guys would mix ammonium nitrate with it. Well, I went to General Koziel and General Petraeus and said, hey, I think I can find this stuff from the air using spectral imaging, which I had used yeah. at NASA for the International Space Station. And so bringing technology, mm -hmm. uh, we actually um, put that capability <coughs> into Afghanistan. Yeah. Uh, General Petraeus sends an email back a month later, and General Cozio goes, Eastwood was my call sign. Eastwood, get in here. <laughs> what do I do with that? And he points at the computer. It's yeah. an email from General Petraeus, and General Petraeus says, this is my new number one secret weapon. I want all that industry can bear. It, within two weeks, we'd move $1.2 billion, which you know how is difficult to do yes. in that morass. Um, and we did the, we put $1.2 billion worth of spectral imaging capability. We pulled hundreds of metric tons of HME, homemade explosives material off of the battlefield. Mm -hmm. And so I bring this up because, you know, I'll never get an award or a pat on the back or any of that, which I don't need. But we saved countless lives, limbs, eyesight, and, and yes. traumatic brain injury. The mission I'm on today makes that look like child's play. So fast forward, um, I left that, I went out to industry, Sierra Nevada Corporation, which you've probably heard of those guys, mm -hmm. they're the largest privately held DOD contractor in the country. And I ran a uh, uh, half billion to a billion dollar profit and loss there, modifying aircraft. So all the, or the preponderance of the aircraft that JSOC uses for Delta Force and mm -hmm. SEAL Team 6. Uh, whether it's transport or ISR, we did that. Um, I left those guys and started a nonprofit for international security and foreign affairs, which might be a little surprising. There's a category for that. Mm. And specifically to identify technology and get that back into the warfighter's hands. So things like we've represented companies that have bulletproof laminate you can shoot out, but the bad guy can't shoot in. Okay. We make field expedient uh, armored up vehicles for, okay. for a JSOC example. Um, about three years ago, the United States Space Force was being stood up, right? President Trump and a bipartisan decision mm -hmm, on mm -hmm. the Hill, which is pretty miraculous as well. I know. Decided to start a new service, and um, they called me to join and help them stand up. And much like yourself, I'm sure, I'm certainly a sucker for service. Yep. And, um, and I answered that call and, and uh, raised my right hand for the fifth time, actually. Mm -hmm. And... Um, I ran the intelligence shop for Space Operations Command. And then a year ago, I uh, felt like I'd done all I could and was leaving. And one of the three stars came to me and said, uh, we, we'd like you to stay, we don't want you to go. And I go, well, that's nice of you, but not compelling. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that turned into, well, we, 
we think you might be the only one that can solve this problem. And I go, well, that's flattery, still not compelling. What's the problem? And the problem is China. <clears throat> and the problem is that we cannot do a sufficient job protecting and defending our capability in space. And what does that mean to us from a military perspective? Well, all they have to do is jam our satellites, and we no longer have neat things like GPS, which we all love to use around the country. I, I grew up on map and compass. I'm yes, sure sir, me too, right? Yeah. And so, unfortunately, I don't know that we even train our infantry to we do don't. that anymore. Uh, definitely in the artillery. We right. Don't. Yeah. And so, what that means is, if for the viewers, right, in my mind, we have a three-foot reach. China has a 10-foot reach. Yeah. We have a 20-foot reach as long as we have GPS and can use our exquisite weapons in order to leverage that distance or standoff. When they jam those capabilities, we no longer have standoff. Mm -hmm. And what happens when the commander-in-chief says to the Department of Defense, we are going to defend Taiwan? What do we say? Yes, sir, three bags full, yeah. right? We literally have people in the Space Force that think if it's too dangerous, we won't do it. Let that sink in. To the audience, what that means is we'll lose two carrier groups in about five minutes. That's probably 20,000 kids on the mm -hmm. bottom of the Pacific Ocean. It only gets worse from there. I would argue that you can't even launch an F-35 without GPS lock. What do you want to bet? Oh, well, I believe so. <laughs> right? Yeah. I, I don't know for sure, but I'll put a 99% yeah. on that one. <clears throat> so fast forward to what does that mean for America and the population? Our entire financial di district depends on the precision timing that comes from mm -hmm. our space assets. So all they have to do is jam our space assets and we can't do as much as pay for a gas, a, a, a tank of fuel or a cup of coffee, right? Yeah. The trickle down eth effect of that is? Monumental. Monumental. Yeah. So about four weeks ago, I was briefing, no, I'm sorry, about four months ago, I was briefing all the three-star generals in the Space Force. Here's the problem. I want to make sure there was no fuzz on the problem because some of them don't want to admit there's a problem. I literally had a three-star general ask me, well, what's the return on investment for solving this problem? Now, as a former Army... Yeah, he can understand the lies. So with a long pregnant pause and trying to maintain my composure and lack of uh, expletives, I said, well, how about our grandchildren and yours aren't speaking to Mandarin Chinese? Yeah. And I know you've been talking about China for a very long time. Yeah. It's here. Yeah. It's now. That told me I may not be able to solve this problem with the same people that created it or at the very least allowed it to happen. That was the first inclination I had that I might need to run for Congress. Okay. And solving that problem is monumental over the amazing things that we were able to do in Afghanistan and Iraq to, to prevent deaths, mm -hmm. right? That, up until today, was the most important thing I'd ever done in my life, uh, aside from the f salvation of my children. And now we're on a new mission. And God's aligned the path and calling to go solve that problem. I've even had the number two ranking member of the House Armed Services Committee say, Clint, you know more about space than anybody on the committee. Mm -hmm. I want you on the committee when you win. Well, that's obvious that one of your backgrounds will definitely be on the HASC. I mean, I, I had the opportunity to serve on the HASC up there, and it was always shocking that this is the largest committee in the United States House of Representatives. First of all, it's not an A-priority committee, which mm -hmm. is befuddling to me. Mm -hmm. 
But so many of the members on that committee have not worn a uniform, have not been out there and been on a receiving end and don't know how these strategic policy decisions can affect what we're doing down there at the tactical level. And so when you look at this congressional district, it's not just that, but <clears throat> talk to us about some of the other things that you will focus on because Texas is at another forefront. Yes, sir. You see what is happening on our border. Yes, what would be some of the things that you would push for? Because right now they're having this fight. And I don't know if you just saw where the Oklahoma GOP just censored their own, you know, senator from Oklahoma because of this compromise bill mm -hmm. that they have in the House. How would you start looking at your voice and leveraging it and your experiences with what we see happening on the Texas border? Yes, sir. So um, one thing relative to that, in this particular race, not that I'm the only person in the country, but in this particular race, I'm the only guy that's fought China in space and cyber, fought mm -hmm. the terrorists across the globe, much as you have, and also fought the cartel in Mexico and Central America. So if you take those things as a whole, um, when it comes to the southern border, a lot of America's very concerned and frustrated about just, I'll just say like the average people coming across that are seeking asylum, whether they deserve asylum or not. Guys like yourself and I see this as much broader than that. Now we have China that's using the cartel as a proxy to kill oh, 100,000 right? 100, yeah. Americans a year. And if you recall your history, in Vietnam, we only lost 55,000. Yeah, if children, you put right? Korea and Vietnam together, right. it still does not equal one year. Exactly. Of what they've and, done. And we're basically doing nothing. And yeah. we're facilitating and allowing it. I want the American public to know that the president isn't doing nothing about the border. The president is actually facilitating He's the enabling. problem. He's enabling the border. Yeah, yeah. So from an experiential perspective, look, you and I would both agree, I suspect, we know how to take care of those fentanyl labs. Yeah. There's, there's no fuzz on that. It could be drones and hellfires. It can be special ops going in, yeah. but we can take care of business there. And unequivocally, I would do that. Mm -hmm. I would put legislation in place or drive for that. <clears throat> Closing the border or regulating the border is probably a better term. I don't think that's rocket science. No. I don't even feel like our own Texas governor and legislature is even doing everything that they can. I agree. Right? When we yeah, say that we're putting, we're putting <clears throat> Constantina wire on the border, you and I both know it's not running the entire length of the border. Yeah, 1,249 miles. We only exactly. have 48 miles of uh, Constantina wire. Yeah, it, if that, I would yeah. argue it's not even that. The buoys work wonderfully. There's One mile like, of buoys. Yeah, well, it's, I think, 1,000 feet, right, okay. is what I've been told. Yeah. And so my point is we're not even doing enough. But that's not a – it's an emotional problem. It's not a complex problem to solve, as you well know. I think the other thing, too, um, we can't allow the cartel to keep playing that game. And then mm -hmm. we've got tens of thousands of Chinese nationals coming across the border every year. Single military-age male They're Chinese. not here to help us. No. They're not here to evade or escape from China. They're here to do harm. They're here to infiltrate the United States. And the same goes for the terrorists, right? There was a, you probably saw this YouTube video or, or Twitter video recently of a military-aged male with a very distinct Arabic accent mm -hmm. and the reporter asking them, where did you come from, right? He said, you'll soon find You'll out. You'll soon find out. Yeah. And I did a little quick video in the truck. You know what he's telling you? Yeah. He's a terrorist. Yeah. We will soon find out. I think I've found a picture of him in his Iranian military capacity. Unequivocally a terrorist coming into America. So when we think about the border, here's, here's what I'll say. 
The viewers know we all have some gut instinct that something's not right, that we don't feel safe anymore. And I don't mean so much about safe like you're going to get mugged walking out of the house. We know that our society is not as safe as it was a decade ago. I think a lot of us point to the border because we want to have something we can blame it on or point to to explain the feeling we have inside. Mm -hmm. Number one, I think that's the Holy Spirit trying to help us, right? Mm -hmm. Trying to, to waken us. Um, and number two, I think it's that we understand um, internally that, that we're losing the country that we grew up in. Mm -hmm. And it's not my, my daughter's off camera. It's not the, right, what are we leaving to your yeah. children and mine and our grandchildren? So those are very significant things. It's not just the border, right? Yeah. Like someone wants to portray it. We are allowing the enemy to infiltrate inside the country. Yeah. I will not be astonished if we have 500 terrorist attack in the 18, next 18 months. And well, that's the big concern, and it is a system. It is the, the economic impact that it has. It is the <clears> impact <throat> on our domestic and national security. It is the health care impact. I mean, who would have thought that we'd be talking about measles, you know, coming back into the United yes, States of America and all mm -hmm. these things. So that being an, an issue, this big thing, and you and I have had experience with this, when you see a president that is talking about nationalizing a national guard mm -hmm. in order to do an unconstitutional thing, which yeah. is aiding and abetting people, how can we in the, in the Congress, <clears throat> what would be your stance? How, how would you lend your voice to say, you know, not on my watch, you know, with the yeah. Texas National Guard? Yeah, I think um, obviously the Texas delegation of congressmen and the, and the two mm -hmm. senators, congressmen and women, um, have to band together on the, the crazy, right? Yeah. I think it also requires that um, as a community in Congress, right? You know a lot of congressmen. I've spoken to probably 35 of them mm -hmm. in the last uh, couple of months. Um, what, what was very encouraging to me is that the folks that I did speak to were fairly accomplished people in their own rights. They were in D.C. to actually make a difference. Mm -hmm. They weren't necessarily the crazies you see on TV every right. day, or Right. And so that was very encouraging that there are people that guys like yourself or me can can pull a team together, right? Because it's a teamwork, and if you will, create the insurgency that stops those kind of ridiculous things, right? I'm certain there there are plenty of ways that uh, Congress can can rise up against those type of things. Um, I think the administration. I actually took a screenshot of a quote from uh, the president the other day where. He's even saying it's time to do something on the border, right? What I will tell the people is that when the director of the FBI yeah. finally comes out and says twice in the last 45 days that all the red you know, indicators are going They're off, there. that we're going to have a terrorist attack, it's not because he's concerned we're going to have one. It's because the intelligence is telling him we're going to have one, mm -hmm. and he's trying to get in front of it to save mm -hmm. face. Yeah. And so... Those type of things, we have to be far smarter about this, right? My fear isn't a 9-11. I, I think we're smart enough to avoid that. Yeah. My concern is that 500 individuals with a deer rifle, not a black rifle, mm -hmm. a deer rifle can go put two bullets into the right building at a substation for power, yep. and all of a sudden 25% of the power is knocked out in America. And by the way, from a supply chain perspective, the most difficult thing to get right now is large power components. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're years for long mm -hmm. lead items. Mm -hmm. So 
we could literally have a significant portion of our power grid shut down for 24 months because mm -hmm. we can't even get the equipment. Or you could have something similar to what you saw October the 7th in Israel where they go after a small rural community. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, create that type of terror. Mm -hmm. Let's move on from the, the national security foreign policy thing. Mm -hmm. Without a doubt, when you look at our fiscal situation in the United States of America, of course, mm -hmm. you, you listen to the news now and they're talking about how great the economy is, whatever. That's because we have too much government spending. <laughs> With that being said, when you look at the, the, the government spending as part of our GDP, when you look at our uh, you know, GDP ratio to debt, what would you advocate for? What would be your concerns or solutions going up there as a member of Congress from Texas to do something about the fact that you talk about our children and grandchildren? That's the yeah. other threat to them, their fiscal yes, uh, health and future. Yeah, I agree. So, look, we, obviously we have runaway spending that, that, that once again is not that difficult to stop the runaway, right? I mean, that's, that's been in recent history of our adult life, quite frankly. Mm -hmm. And so I think we need to put the kibosh on that. But I think other very practical things that need to happen are, we have, we have government departments and agencies that really don't help us, right? Yeah. We have a Department of Education that I would argue- Not a constitutional duty of the federal government. And, and I don't think they've, I can't find a single positive thing that they've done. Mm -hmm. I'm certain there is, but when I see the experimentation with our children, mm -hmm. every three or four years, there's a new way to teach how to read. Mm -hmm. it's, an, it's a bad experiment, mm -hmm. right? That's all driven for money and power out of the education department. And actually, so, still can't read. And they still can't read, right? They still can't do math. So I think as we, if we took a true, honest look at the executive branch, and, and, and America knows this, but probably doesn't think much about it, the bloated version of the government is not the Supreme Court, Mm -hmm. which is one branch, mm -hmm. is not the legislative mm -hmm. branch. They're bound by money and mm -hmm. quantity. It's the executive branch. Yep. When you and I were kids in the Army, if you met a civil servant, they were like God, right? Oh, yeah. You're like, oh, yeah. my gosh. there's how many frat. That's right. Yeah, SES, how many frat. Now there are more civil servants in the yeah. military than uniform members. My head explodes on that. I cannot get my mind around that. More admirals than there are ships. Y yes, sir. So there's plenty of, there is a lot of low hanging fruit. Now I'll throw one other thing at you that I think we need to do with the federal government, executive branch in particular, minus Department of Defense. Because the makeup of Washington DC is well above 95% liberal. Yeah. As you well know, when you walk into any headquarters, it doesn't matter if it's NASA, NOAA, FBI, Department of Justice, whatever, it's, it's, it's a reflection of the place they live, right? It's 90 mm -hmm. some odd percent. I would argue that we would not have the weaponization of the federal government against Catholics, against everybody. Christians praying. Everybody. Right? Everybody. Just everybody, yeah. If we just did one simple thing and move force, all of those headquarters, out into America mm -hmm. and make them represent in their workforce what America looks like, yeah. right? I also believe that would significantly change how we spend money at the executive branch level. So I think we have to do, I don't even, I wouldn't even consider that creative, maybe it's different. I think we have to apply some different logic. And by the way, we don't need all these beltway bandits. Yeah. Let me ask you a question. This is kind of philosophical uh, because that's, I think it, you have to have a grounded philosophy of governance. Mm -hmm. you, you always hear, these politicians say to, to folks that you just don't get it. 
you don't understand mm -hmm. how sure. it works. Yep. Uh, you know, the, the the art of politics is that we, we have to compromise. This is all the bipartisanship or whatever. Where do you draw the line? Where, where, where is the thing that you say, can't compromise this? Well, I think some, some of that's very easy and some of it's a little more difficult. The very easy stuff is that my morals, ethics, ideals, and so forth are found, found, foundational in my spiritual life, sure. right, in the Bible. Um, so things like abortion and those kind of things, there's, it's black and white. There's yeah. no compromise there. Um, and by the way, I think the Dobbs ruling was correct, and I think Texas has a good, a good approach to this. Mm -hmm. um, and I tell people frequently, if you don't like it, there's 50 other states you can move to that might have the, mm -hmm. the law that you want. Um, relative to things uh, that are uh, more gray area, if you will, I think we're, we've lost what you and I grew up with where there, the, the distance between a Republican and a Democrat was a handshake distance. Yeah. It wasn't a chasm. Tip O'Neill and Ronald Reagan had a great relationship. Absolutely. And so um, I think we need to go back to those days. Now, I'm not sure we have the right people to go back to those days yet, but we can get there. It just takes time. Let's take the border as an example. Everybody wants to talk about um, impeaching Mayorkas, right? Now, what, as far as I'm concerned, that's pandering to the base because you and I both know you can go impeach the man and he will have a replacement immediately that thinks no differently and maybe even worse. What we need to be doing is taking their money away mm -hmm. because if we withhold the funding to DHS and whatever, whichever particular offices we want to, now we will have somebody's attention to make the right move, right? So I think from a, there's lots of room for compromise at the, in the right time and the right perspective I do not believe in the garbage of telling your constituents they just don't understand. Mm -hmm. That's your boss. Mm -hmm. If you think they don't understand, maybe you need to spend a little time with them helping them to understand. But I do think that there are things that we just have to hold true and, and steady on. Um, well, that's the thing that you and I took an oath to support and defend. It's pretty straightforward. Yeah. And unfortunately, very few people hold that as important and dear to their heart as you and I did or do. Mm -hmm. And you're still living on the same oath that you took. I am quite confident. Yeah. I am too, yeah. right? Even though I'm no longer a Space Force guy. Mm -hmm. I had to resign, obviously, to run oh, for Of course, conference. yeah. Conflict so, of interest. That's right. Yeah. So, and I'm happy to do that. So I guess what I would say is we have folks on both sides of the aisle that want to spend their time in front of the camera legislators with nothing but no, right? We always call them like Captain No, yep. right? There's no value in that. Now, they may be pandering to their constituents and think, well, this person's sticking it to the man. This is awesome. Mm -hmm. What you and I both know is what a four-star general told me a long time ago. You might not like the people you work with, but you still have to work with them. That's true. Right? So we need to get back to adults being in Congress and when it's compromise, it's logical compromise. It's not winner's take all. And it's solutions. Right, and, and true solutions, yeah. right? Um, and and I, I have great hope and um, uh, I, I know we can get there. Let's talk about your race because as you said, you just, you live out in Alito, which everyone should understand is just a little bit west from Fort Worth. Uh, you just stepped down from your position with mm -hmm. the Space Force and you're coming in here what are the major challenges or obstacles you see in your race? Uh, because we have a very short cycle. 
here in Texas. I mean, when you think about the the filing deadline is the 11th of December, Mm -hmm. and then the next thing you know, a couple months later, early voting voting starts. So what do you see as the challenge for you to be out there and be successful in this race in CD12? Yeah, I, I think the challenge is the same for all of us. It's, it's name recognition. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I've, I've, there's five of us in the race. There's really three top contenders, if you will. Um, and the challenge, frankly, for all of us except one individual is, um, is the establishment, mm-hmm. right? So the establishment wants to pay for the person they want to pay for. Oh, yeah. And that politi- is not me. The political oligarchy, that's what I call it. You right, know? absolutely. Yeah. So even though one of these individuals is a state rep who's done a lot to neuter conservative values in Austin, mm-hmm. now he wants his coronation to go to D.C. and yeah. I suppose do the same thing. The blue bloods of Fort Worth, of the establishment, just, you know, when someone says, hey, it's such and such his turn, well, here's the check. Here's the check. And so... That facilitates the name recognition, right? But in essence, we've all started kind of at the same place. So I think it's really, it's, uh, we we also need, everybody needs voter turnout. I mean, we still are at like 10% voter turnout. It's horrible. It's horrible. And it doesn't matter what the demographics is. I mean, even, you know, in the the church, it's a dismal turnout, right? And so um, uh, really, we need America. Not just my campaign, right? We mm-hmm. need America to recognize the, the blood that has been shed for our right to vote mm-hmm. and to actually be civic-minded, vote the whole ballot. I mean, there's mm-hmm. nothing more ridiculous to me than somebody that will stand in line for an hour to vote, and they vote the top of the ballot. 30 and seconds. They, and, and then they don't vote <laughs> yeah. the rest, yeah. right? And so, um, you know, the, as you well know, right, um, in, in politics, it takes money to advertise to get your name out, right? Yeah. So uh, we're always all um, certainly deficient on the funds that we would like to have to mm-hmm. get the word out. But um, between financing, people just physically voting, mm-hmm. and being informed. It didn't take five minutes to go look at the candidates yeah. for this race. Will there be a debate? Have there been candidate forums? Great, great question. Um, we've, uh, I've been in a handful of forums with four of the five. The fifth individual that feels like it's his coronation never shows up, which is quite telling. Um, and frankly, whether whether I think these forums are productive or not is not for me to choose. No, you're supposed it's, to show up. It's part of the process, yeah. right? So it shows the lack of genuineness of that particular and candidate. And respect. And respect, right? Now, I'll, I'll be the first guy to say, um, None of, none of being elected should be about kissing the ring or how big of an activist you've been or whatever, right? I joke with people, um, I think my 30 years of service to the country and moving all over the country to serve, which mm-hmm. you've done mm-hmm. as well, um, it's probably has a little more stature than being a, a precinct leader, right, for my qualification to, to run for Congress. But it's the typical things. We, we, need, we need resources, yeah. we need volunteers, yeah. and we need people to go vote. Last question, and you won't be answering to me, you'll be talking to the camera, mm. because this is the, the one thing I ask everyone. Mm. There are a lot of people across the country that, that see <clears> this <throat> podcast, not just here in mm-hmm. Texas, and definitely not just in your congressional district. Why is Congressional District 12 mm-hmm. in Texas important for the United States of America? Yeah. So, so what I'll say is certainly in Texas, it is the most or one of the most, if not the most important district in the state. 
It is always, it is also very important across the country. In fact, it is the largest, most influ influential district that is not Democrat. So uh, there is a lot of money going into trying to change this, this particular area. Obviously, we have a lot of jobs and a lot of industry. F-35s are, are assembled right here in our district. What I'll tell the American people about politics today, more than likely, it may not be your particular congressman that you're frustrated with, but there are plenty that you are frustrated with. And so it's important to look at these races, not just from who you get to vote for, but also who you get to support around the country. And certainly if you're in Texas, it matters. So as an example, I was at a fundraiser a couple months ago uh, for um, a very longstanding uh, Republican congressman for New Jersey. And I actually wrote him a check uh, for, for a couple of big reasons. Number one, we can't afford to lose a single seat in the House, right? We're down to two right now, two, two votes, I think. Yep. Um, number two, he is surrounded by crazies, right? Not just Democrats, but the, but the crazy Democrats. And he needs our support. So what I'll tell you is I need your support, whether you're in District 12 or in Texas or in the country, because we need good people in D.C. That's how we change the problems that we have. So I'd, I would implore everybody that's watching to lift your head a little bit and don't just look locally, but definitely look around the region that you live in and look outside of your state when there are people that good people that you need to stay in Congress and also people that you need to work um, to replace with better people. Excellent. How can people follow you? How can people support you? Yep. Uh, my website's the easiest way, and it's clintdorisforcongress.com. F-O-R or four? F-O-R. Okay, good. Thank you. Yes, we had a debate over that, as you can imagine. <laughs> clintdorisforcongress.com. You know, when I was up as a member of Congress uh, back in 2011, we created a, a, a PAC, Political Action Committee, called the Guardian Fund. Yes, sir. Because the thing was, I wanted to support military and minority conservatives to get up there on, on <laughs> Capitol Hill. And it is a little over a decade old now, mm -hmm. and it continues to do very well. And so you have my support. Thank you, You have sir. my endorsement, Airborne, God all the way. Gig'em, Aggie. Yes, all right. <laughs> and go out there and, and win this, because we have got to have more men and women serving in suit and tie or whatever attire because they've worn a military uniform and they know what it means to put their life on the line when they say that they will support and defend the Constitution of the United States of America. So I want to thank you for taking the time to be here thank and like you. I said, you, you've got my backing, you've thank got you my support, much. you got my endorsement. Great. And ladies and gentlemen, please follow Clint Doris and uh, give him your support. It's so important we maintain control of the United States House of Representatives. Mm -hmm. They are the keepers of the purse string and wouldn't this be the great guy to have on an armed services committee in the House of Representatives because he's been there, he's done that, he's got quite a few t-shirts. And if you enjoyed this podcast segment, please click the like button and share it with others. And until next time, steadfast and loyal. Before they burn it down